It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Steve and Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight. With, Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan, Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Woo! Okay. Hey, now. Happy Saturday. Look, I told you, you got to keep your eyes on Tuesday night. I told you last weekend, keep your eyes on Tuesday night because the Pistons were up for that number one pick. And lo and behold, for the first time since 1970 and Bob Lanier out of St. Bonnie, the Pistons have the number one pick in the NBA draft. It's very exciting. And what I particularly am most excited about here, I'm most excited that Troy Weaver is the guy with the finger on the button. What he did last year during the draft, middle of the first round, how about Isaiah Stewart? How about Sadiq Bey? Both of those guys are on the all-rookie teams. I mean, this team is on its way. Yes, they finished 20 and 52. Yes, that's an, an atrocity of a record. But they were at least interesting to watch. They've got young guys that are interesting to watch that, at least on the, on the, the, the appearance early in their career, they've got an opportunity to make some noise. So now it turns to late July and who Troy Weaver wants uh, on this team going forward. Rod Beard is the Pistons beat writer over at the Detroit News, and he joins us this evening. Hey, Rod, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Uh, look, I, I, I'm really excited about this because I, I believe that the Pistons are going to land somebody uh, who is going to improve this organization improve this team immediately. Uh, be it Cade Cunningham, be it Suggs, uh, whoever it is, certainly Evan Mobley in the mix as well there in those top three spots. I trust Troy Weaver to make those spots because at least in his short tenure as GM here in Detroit, he's got a nice track record with, with examining talent, finding talent, and then drafting talent. So I'm excited that Troy Weaver's the guy who's got his finger on the pulse. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. That it's this is not one where you have to worry and wonder. Uh, this isn't the the seventh pick where you you got to figure out all of the combinations of teams in front of you. This is really a pick that either you or I could make, and we'd be fine with it with with taking K to Cunningham or, or Mobley mm-hmm. or, or Jalen Suggs. Any of those choices would be right, but in Troy Weaver's case, it's really what's the vision long term, and how does each of these prospects fit into what that vision is going to be. And Kate Cunningham looks to be the right choice, but if it's not going to be that, you're sure that you're not going to get swindled in a deal, that a team isn't going to come in and give you a bad offer, and, and Troy Weaver's going to take that. You, you can tell just by his demeanor, by his vision and everything else that's going on, that he's going to do the best thing for the franchise, whether it's Kate Cunningham or making a trade or doing whatever. It doesn't matter, but it, it, they're number one. They have the, the choice at the top of the draft, and they dictate how the rest of it goes. 
Yeah, and, and I think in terms of, of coaching, I, I love Dwayne Casey. I, I think he is the right guy for this job at the right time. Um, he's he's had a couple of uh, rough years as the Pistons have bottomed out. Uh, and and just the combination of he and Weaver and how they seem to work really well together um, and bringing guys in like Bay, bringing guys in like Stewart, but certainly Jeremy Grant, Killian Hayes, there's a lot of... I don't know if it's untapped potential or they're just kind of scratching the surface because they could be good players here. So I guess I'm a little curious to know from your perspective on, and before we start breaking down who they could be picking, namely Cade Cunningham, um, where do you see a lot of these guys that are on the roster now, specifically these young guys? Do you view them as, as potential trade pieces or are they really at the point now where they're just going to try to develop this and see where this thing can go? Yeah, I think it's development pieces right now and, and looking at what each one can give you uh, and, and pulling the most out of them. And Dwayne Casey, known for his player development and his relationships with players. And Troy Weaver, the thing that doesn't get talked about a lot is the culture that he's building, that these aren't guys that are, are having run-ins with the law or, or, or just bad seeds. These are guys who uh, like to work together, who are building something together and working together and growing as teammates uh, and, and each one of these guys, a young guy, Jeremy Grant, um, also just sort of coming into his own as a, a younger player who has that all-star potential. So I think that's something that's critical in this, too, is just they're building a culture that everybody can get behind, and they're going to have a blue-collar work ethic, which is emblematic of the city, too. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, what I love about Cade Cunningham, uh, I, I, I think he's he's got a little bit of that killer uh, mentality. Where he'll come in, he'll slash it. He's got a he's got a really nice perimeter game. Um, he averaged twenty points, six boards, and and three assists per game in his one year at Oki State. But uh, I I guess I'm interested to know most pundits, most scouts, most people will tell you that he's the guy at that number one spot. He's come out and said, "Look, I'm going to meet with Detroit and Detroit only." Troy Weaver says we'll certainly meet with Cade Cunningham, but we're going to do a little bit of our due diligence. Well, talk to me about Cade Cunningham and 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 where he could fit in the mix here in Detroit. Yeah, I think that's the thing that makes him the number one pick is that versatility that he's he's listed as a point guard, but he can play shooting guard. He can play small forward if you need him to do that. But then on the defensive end is where he excels as well, and he can guard all the positions except for maybe center. And at 6'8", he brings a lot of versatility in his game. And the people that I've talked to have said that they've made comparisons to Grant Hill, that he has that type of, of skill set, and he brings that. Maybe a shooter than Grant Hill was, but not as explosive. You, you take that. <laughs> I think you, you, yeah. with a Hall of Fame guy like Grant Hill and, <laughs> yeah. and, and what yeah. he did in his career outside of the injuries, you take that. If that's on the table, that um, you have a guy like that who just is is it. He has the it factor, and he can be a future all-star, multiple-time all-star. If you've got that as your number one pick option, I think you take that. And then, of course, Evan Mobley out of USC and, and Suggs out of uh, Gonzaga. They'll be on the board there as well as as kind of those those top three that are that, that most people talk about are, are, are going to be if you can say surefire in a draft, I, I know it's it's tough to say, but those are two other guys that they'll be looking at as well, wouldn't you think? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. I think, and, and that might be the only thing that would have them think about trading out of that number one spot is that that they like one of those other guys just a little bit more. Um, but Mobley can really bring a, a, a physical 
rim-protecting presence that they haven't had in a while. And he's so athletic and so uh, raw and full of potential well, that y- you could think about that. We'll certainly keep an eye on it. Rod Beard over at the Detroit News. Thanks for your time. Appreciate you. Thank you. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. And look, I told you last week, I told you last week, I just had a a feeling about how this was finally going to break the right way for one of our damn teams. And it did. I was ex- I was excited Saturday and Sunday, and I was certainly excited Tuesday. Because look, again, I told you last week, I'm a big proponent of the tank. Love the tank. I think there's a way to tank. And I think the way that Dwayne Casey had these guys playing, and I think the way that that certainly Troy Weaver has come in here, slashed and dashed and dealed and gotten rid of guys and traded guys away and and you know anytime you can give yourself a chance to get better if you're if you if you have somebody that you know is not going to be a part of this team this organization get rid of them land some land some draft picks give yourself give yourself an opportunity at least give yourself a chance to take somebody that's going to be better and and that is what Troy Weaver has done and and the job that Dwayne Casey has played in all of this, his his role in this cannot be overlooked. The way he was able to get a lot of these guys playing time. The guys that we've mentioned, Sadiq Bay, all of that time is good. Good time spent giving these guys real game reps. Isaiah Stewart's another one of them. Jeremy Grant, Killian Hayes, all of these guys are getting better because they're playing. They're playing big minutes. And so for me, when you tank the right way, it's incredibly beneficial. And now the Pistons showed you why. And look, we can talk about who they're going to take, and and, uh, certainly I welcome in Dave Rieger to the mix as Nick Roddy's on vacation this week. Um, But... You know, Dave, when I look at these top three, top five guys, certainly Cade Cunningham is is more than likely going to be your pick. You've got Evan Mobley, the center freshman out of uh, out of USC. You've got Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga. Those are really the top three. Then you look at Jalen Green, who played in the G League, and then you've got Jonathan Kaminga, also a G League guy who will will kind of go in that spot. And then and then after that, really you've got the three locks at the top as most pundits will tell you. You've got the two guys in Kaminga and Green who are going to be your your a little bit of a maybe not a project, but they're not quite as viewed as, you know, the surefire hits. And then after that it falls off. And so you know, you look at who's in the mix there. Scotty Barnes, the uh, the uh, point guard over at uh, Florida State, good player, physical player. You got Franz Wagner in the mix from Michigan. Um, but I, you know, watching Franz Wagner play, is he is he really ready for an NBA career at Michigan, or, or, or coming from Michigan going to the NBA? Is he ready for a pro career yet? I don't know. 
It doesn't it, it wouldn't it wouldn't seem that way to me that he's going to come in and and be a major contributor on an NBA team. I, I probably would have to agree. I don't know if he was as um, as talented as his brother, as Mo Wagner was, but um, you know, I think um, you know he'll uh, he'll get in, he'll get some work in, and it might take him a little yeah. bit longer. Absolutely, but the but the but the point is, um, the problem with Franz is his consistency. Yeah. He, he, he'll show up big in some big moments, and then he'll show up very small in some big moments. And so th- that's one of my biggest concerns about Franz Wagner going to the NBA now. Now, of course, he's, you know, he's going to be he most likely going to be a lottery pick. He'll fall inside that top eight. I was just looking at a, uh, at a, at a uh, mock on Bleacher Report. They got him going number seven to Golden State. And that's probably a pretty good fit. That'd be a great fit for him. He could sit, he could sit on the bench and learn. That would be a great fit for him. So, with all of that being said, um, but but for me, what the Pistons have done has just been it's been it's been a symphony. I got to tell you, uh, but, what a uh, what a victory for the city of Detroit! Finally, something goes right for one of the sports teams. Well, yeah, and I mean, I, I it's a good point, uh, but you know, for me, I. I the reason I was so invested in this, the reason I was so excited about this is because I believe, I believe the Pistons are close. Not close in the sense that they're going to win an NBA championship, but close in the sense that they're they're not going to be the doormat anymore. They're not going to be an easy win for a lot of these teams. They're going to scrape and, and, and scrap and claw, and they're going to fight their way into every single game because of the chemical makeup of this team, because of, of the mentality that this team has. And, and when you add an impact player, when you add somebody who's going to come in and inject a little more life into this thing, yeah, you're talking playoffs, you're talking conference finals, you're talking NBA finals eventually. Am I saying that Kate Cunningham is going to push him uh, to the East Conference finals next year? No, no, I'm not. But I think that this takes this takes that rebuild, this takes all of that time spent watching mediocre basketball. I think it... You start to dwindle that away because this team is now going to start playing meaningful basketball games again. We haven't seen that in a very long time. Yeah, it's been 17. Look, 2004 is a long time ago. We're a long time removed. I watched a lot Feels, of Cade Cunningham uh, in March. Um, he's uh, he's an absolute. Sure he's, a stud, he's a stud. And Suggs, too. Both of both of those guys uh, were incredible. So yeah. either, either one of them would be a, a great fit and a leader. That the that the Pistons could use moving forward. Yep. And I'm a, also yep. and I, a huge fan of their coach of Casey. Um, I think oh, he's yeah, Dwayne re- Casey's I think fantastic. He's responsible for that Toronto Raptors team that won the title. Let's yes. be honest. Yes. He's responsible. And I'll tell you the that. way the way that that he got kicked out of Toronto was a shame because I think Dwayne Casey deserved better than that, and I'm glad he landed here because he's a hell of a coach. Now, when you talk about other teams in this city, finally, so. You know, I, I'm glad it happened, but I I'm happy I'm happy for the Pistons because I think they needed this extra jolt. You know w- what's been going on in uh, down at Comerica Park. You know you you look at the way that they've played baseball recently. They've been pretty good. Again, are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to win a, a playoff seat? No, probably not. But the fact is that they, there are some signs there. You, when you add in somebody like A.J. Hinch, things are going to change. Things are going to be different. 
and and when you when somebody like Scooble is producing or Casey Mize and when you see guys like Riley Green moving up in the farm system those are positive signs it may not be very fun right now and it's not but we're getting to a point where I look at what the Tigers are doing you look at the way that that AJ Hinch has these guys playing ba- 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 baseball it's good things with the Red Wings, much in the same way, I am a firm believer in Steve Eiserman. The way that he built that team down in Tampa Bay, the way that he got rid of, you know, some of the aging players, those are good Those are good things. Those are good signs. And when you trade somebody like Anthony Mantha away, high draft pick, and you, 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 you put a lot of stock into him, and he just wasn't panning out here. The, when you go out and get a first-round pick and somebody uh, that, that can come in here and, and, and play immediately and be an impact player like Jacob Verona was, that's a good sign. So those teams, I look as they are ascending. They are improving. And with the Pistons, I feel like this fast-tracks it completely. I would and the, and I the would Lions, agree. the the Lions are they're just starting here. They they a whole new staff, whole new regime. They are starting from from the bottom. Now, if a lot of these guys can pan out, good. But but there's a little bit more slack there. And I know Lions fans are anxious and they want to win. They want to win a lot of games. But you got to give them a little bit of time here. And we've said that before. But I look at these other three teams and and specifically the Pistons. This to me fast tracks what they want to do. This fast tracks their ability to play in big games, to make the playoffs, to 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 not be just the doormat anymore, and that is incredibly exciting for me. The Tigers playing good baseball. They're playing they're playing good baseball recently, and the Red Wings I've got confidence in. They're in the they're in the midst of a rebuild as well. But the, with the way the Pistons are going to handle this number one pick, it's very exciting. More on Sports Wrap with Chris Renwick next here on WJR. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, coming up on the show still, uh, we've got a, a report about NFL players who are going to opt out of this year still because of COVID-19 concerns and how it's going to affect their pocketbook. So we'll talk about that uh, coming up. Also, Rocket Mortgage Classic. We are, this is golf week here in Detroit. And I couldn't be more excited about it. Couldn't be more excited about it. So we'll talk about what we can maybe expect uh, down at DGC this upcoming week and into the weekend. But there was a story that caught my eye uh, from Buster only on over at uh, ESPN. And I wanted to get to this last weekend, but we didn't have time. And so I, 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 for me, this is an interesting topic because the way baseball has been forever, it seems they've got this, uh, they've got the rule book, but then they've also got this set of unwritten rules. They've, they've got this, uh, you know, the, the old uh, gentleman's handshake agreement on a lot of different things. One of them, forever, has been on, on substances that have been used to 
get a grip on baseballs, get a grip on your bat, whatever it is. These foreign substances, whether it's pine tar, whether it's, you know, a mix of sweat and suntan lotion, whatever it is. It's on the books that you can't use these things, but up until maybe this year, you've been able to to get away with it a little bit. Nobody's going to really say anything. And nobody's really going to say anything because everybody's using them. Everybody's using them. Your pitchers are using them, so you sure as heck aren't going to go to the umpire and have uh, them check the opposing uh, team's pitcher because they're using it too. So you don't want to draw any unnecessary eyes to the fact that there's a little something on your mitt or on your uh, sleeve or on your wrist, whatever it is. Well, now the report from Buster only is that all of those years and decades of that, of that uh, handshake agreement amongst managers could be out the door. Apparently there are some teams in the league who spoke off the record that said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and, and, and ask the umpires to check the pitchers. We're going to do it. And we're going to tell our pitchers not to use them either. And what you're seeing in baseball now, I don't know. Is it a joke? What, I mean, what are we doing here? Why is this all of a sudden something that needs to be enforced? But why? Because these pitchers are just throwing some dirty things? They're throwing some nasty pitches that your guys can't hit? What are we doing? Major League Baseball has had a problem for a long time. Major League Baseball has been in a position where they've alienated viewers and fans for years. And this is a, a another example of them either a not following their own rules, which again are on the books. And they haven't been following the rules for a very long time. Heck, I was at the game in 2006. You remember 2006, David? What I, a magical run that was. I do. I was at the game in 2006. I believe it was the game before Maglio's home run. I believe. Uh, And I was, I think I was 11th throw behind the Tigers dugout. Had awesome seats. It was, it was, I gotta be honest, it was probably my favorite game I've ever been to. Tigers beat Oakland. But, Kenny Rogers was pitching in that game. You remember Kenny Rogers? I do remember the gambler. Kenny Rogers was pitching in that game, and he had some pine tar on his glove. You remember that? The old pine tar game. Oh, yes. And nobody said boo. They didn't do anything about it. Now you're in the playoffs. Team's got a little bit of juice. They're, they got a little bit of... Uh, you know, excitement, playing good baseball. Nothing was uh, said there. Nothing was done. 
And so for me, what, what Major League Baseball has done, and I could, and believe me, we could go on and on about Major League Baseball and some of the follies and, and, the, and the wrong paths that they've chosen. But Major League Baseball has an issue, and, and, and they haven't been following their own rules for a very long time, and now a lot of these guys want to cash in and, and make sure that things are being followed. Now, why? You got thoughts on this, David? I don't know why they're doing this right now. It, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, remember Phil Negro? Remember Gaylord Perry? These pitchers from the past are, like, heralded for being able to have stuff that they used to use to uh, make the pitches do weird things. And it was fine back then. Now, all of a sudden... So why now? I don't why know. Why now? I don't know. That's my question. Why I now? I don't know the reason. Why now? I mean, the only thing I can think of is that maybe hitting's down a little bit, and baseball wants to be a little bit more exciting... So they want more hitting, and it seems like the pitchers are dominating. So they're maybe they're trying to even the playing field, if you will. Well, look, here's how I view Major League Baseball. Here's how I like to watch a baseball game, right? Because I'm a I'm a I'm a loser. I like to watch baseball. I want to watch the game because there is a game within the game. You've got your pitches, you've got your strikes, and your balls, and your walks and your home runs and your doubles and singles and triples. But there are there's a game within a game. Next time you go to Comerica Park, next time you go to a game, watch the, the, the communication from the dugout to the players or the dugout to the to the to the catcher or the dugout to the, the base coaches. Watch and then watch how they how they adjust. Watch the 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 the, the game within the game. I like that. I like that part of baseball. And for me, everybody says, oh, the long ball. It's all about the long ball. It's all about big hitting. And for the simpleton, I'm sure that's true. But for me, I get as much enjoyment out of watching a pitcher go eight innings, nine innings, just dealing a gem, painting the corners, throwing guys out on base. To me, that is just as important. That is just as exciting as watching Miggy hit a home run, hitting a walk-off, just as exciting. And I like I like the relationship that the pitcher and the catcher has. I like that that there are there's so much going on within a baseball game that most people don't even realize. And to me, that's compelling stuff. But what MLB has done over the last, I don't know how many years, I mean, heck, you can even go back to talking about not putting Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame, not putting Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, not putting guys like Sammy Sosa or Mark McGuire in the Hall of Fame. Don't even get me started on that. Don't even get me started on that. Why are we putting those guys on? You made those memories were made. They happened. Those things happened. Is Barry Bonds still the home run leader? Haven't checked lately. Yes. I don't think anybody's gotten close. So what is he not doing in the Hall of Fame? And by the way, Barry Bonds was a lot more than just home runs. He was a good player. He was a, he was an all-around baseball player. You're so right. Even before the uh, even before his head got really big and he started uh, hitting bombs, he was a uh, he was yeah, an, back uh, to he, his time in Pittsburgh. He was incredible. Great player. He was incredible. 
And so, again, I ask Major League Baseball what they're doing. I ask why you haven't gone back and and changed Armando Galarraga's game. It wasn't a bang-bang play. It wasn't up for debate. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, you know, there wasn't a distorted view. Fix it. Make it right. Now, I'm not, this is not the hill I'm going to die on. But understand that Major League Baseball coming down with this edict now or some of these managers or team officials speaking behind the the, the cloak of darkness saying that they're going to make sure that umpires check pitchers for foreign substances, all that's nonsense. Why now? That's my one question. Why now? Because your guys can't hit the ball? Because what? Because the balls are juiced? What is it? These are These are the questions that I have and why Major League Baseball has taken the type of turn they have. Do people still look at baseball as just America's game anymore? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they do. I think that title belongs to the Shield in the NFL. Now, coaches are going to be in the ears of the umpires talking about checking these guys. More on Sports Rep next. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. So last NFL season, it wasn't really a surprise that we didn't see the full complement of NFL players out there because of COVID. And some of the players said, look, we're opting out of this year. For whatever reason it was. And I believe me, I don't blame any of them. Whatever decision that they made as either a business decision, as a health decision, as a family decision, I, it, I, don't, I don't belittle anybody for doing what they thought was best for them and their family. I, it, I, don't, I don't hold any ill will against anyone. This year is a little bit different. Seems like things are, are a little different. They, they feel different this time of the year as they did the year before in 2020, in the summer of 2020. So now, players have until July 2nd, just a couple of days, and they've got to decide if they want to opt out of playing this season. They can still cite COVID-19 concerns, though this year, the voluntary opt-outs will not be paid a stipend. The NFL sent a memo to the clubs, um, looks like earlier this week, and the league and the NFL Players Association agreed that only high-risk players will receive a stipend of $350,000. Voluntary opt-outs got a $150 stipend in 2020. But this year, that's not the case. So now, to qualify as a high-risk player, they have to opt, they have to have opted out last season and they have to have a, an effective uh, contract executed uh, before October 1st of 2020, or they have to be newly diagnosed with a CDC-defined high-risk condition. So rookies wouldn't be eligible unless they were diagnosed with a high-risk condition after signing the contract. Last year, just under, a, I think it was 65, 66, 67, something like that, players opted out um, last year. This is all before vaccines were available. So the contract for any player who opts out 
uh, at the end of the year and all provisions of the 2021 contract will become applicable to 2022. And for players under contract to 2021, all subsequent years will be extended. So it's an interesting thing now that the NFL is doing um, because they want to have everybody back. They want to have as many people back as possible. And they're creating a set of expectations or a set of steps that these guys have to go through in order to opt out this year. You got to be, you got to be diagnosed with a, a, a serious illness as defined by the CDC. But am I wrong here, Dave? It seems to me that they're trying to make this a little more difficult for guys to opt out this year. They want everybody back this, this season. Now you're 100% right. This is crazy. The steps that these guys have to go through to get a excused absence, I guess, is what you mm-hmm. could call it from the league, especially with uh, vaccinations now going on. But I think it's I think it's wrong personally. I think that if anybody fears their health, and you're going to punish them because they they fear their health because of COVID, which is, um, you know, not gone by any means, you know, with all the different variants that are around and. We are in the nice weather right now in the summer. We don't know what's going to happen in the fall when the weather starts to turn a little bit colder. But why would you make these professional athletes jump through all these hoops if they're scared for their health? It seems kind of silly to me. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so we'll see if that number dwindles. I imagine there will be far fewer players that are going to opt out this year. I think there was, I think there was less than 70 last year. So we'll see uh, if they decide if if a number of these guys who opted out last year are going to opt out again this year, um, or if they're if they're going to just decide to play. My guess is a lot of these guys are going to decide to play. There will be some, but I don't think there'll be nearly as much as 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 last year. The, the key statement you made was there was no there were no vaccines available last time. Now they're vaccines, sure. so they're probably feeling a little bit safer now because they have been vaccinated. Well, we talked about this last week, too, the differences of those unvaccinated and vaccinated players, what they'll be able to do. Right. Some are going to have AL access and some are going to have limited COVID access. And then yeah, right. uh, some of the coaches, you know, are they going to be able thing. to have, you know, so um, I guess it's your own, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not in the uh, position to tell anybody to get a vaccine or not to get a vaccine, but it would seem to me. That if you want to stay safe and if you want to have all access to do what you want to do, that maybe you should get that vaccine. Here's what I'm in the position to do. I'm in the position to tell you that what's going to be going down this coming week at Detroit Golf Club is supremely exciting. You know, you get sometimes with these non-major tournaments, you never really know who you're going to get, right? You you may not get a lot of big names. You may get one or two, um, but you may not see a lot of the top names on, on the tour. I got to say, Jason Langwell, all the guys at Rocket, um, and, and, and Dan Gilbert's uh, plethora of companies, what they've done for the Rocket Mortgage Classic at Detroit Golf Club is just, it's awesome. It's awesome. Like, they got this thing right. 
And when you can bring in somebody like Phil Mickelson, who's just coming off his PGA Championship dub, you got Hideki Matsuyama coming off his Masters win. You got, uh, of course, Bryson DeChambeau be here. He's a he's a Rocket Mortgage ambassador and the defending uh, but he champion. Also, he won the tournament last year. Won the 2020 U.S. Open. Was in the mix at the 2021 U.S. Open till he, uh, you know, made a mess of himself. And then you got other major winners. You got Bubba Watson. Jason Day, Patrick Weed, Webb Simpson, Keegan Bradley, Jimmy Walker, Danny Willett, Gary Woodland. I mean, you've got guys here that are going to make this tournament feel a little bit like a major. They're going to make it feel like like this is a big-time tournament because you've got big-time players here. And and I got to, again... The way that DGC looks right now, it's unbelievable. It's so it's so great to see because they've got this thing looking pristine. The course is in fantastic shape. I'll tell you, the rough is rough. The rough is going to be rough on a lot of these guys, especially once you get around the green. So if you're somebody, uh, you know, certainly like, the, the 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 performance that Bryson DeChambeau had coming down the stretch at the U.S. Open last week, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough on him. And so, if you can keep it in the fairway, if you can if you can keep it out of the hazards, you'll be all right. You're gonna see some big time scores, and the course is playing in great shape, and all the signage and all the the risers and seats, it just it looks it looks spectacular, and. And it's going to look really great on television. And I and it's one of the things that I love about what they've done with this tournament and what they will continue to do to this tournament is they will continue to make it better. This year is going to be better than three years ago. It's it's a little tough to 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 throw in last year with the mix because there was nobody there. But even last year, I I gave them a lot of praise because you remember, Dave, during COVID when they took away all the people, all the, all the, the, the folks that were there watching and walking around the course and all the galleries, when they took that away, a lot of these tournaments didn't even bother putting up signage. They didn't even bother putting up grandstands or towers or anything like that. They didn't even bother. And it didn't feel like a tournament. Didn't feel like there was any juice on the course. At, At Rocky Mortgage at DGC, they kept a lot of that up. They put a lot of that up, all the signage, all the grandstands. I mean, while there was nobody in it, it felt like there was something going on. It felt like a tournament. So I gave him a lot of credit for that last year, and it's a simple thing, but it made a difference. And and this year is, is I'll tell you, it's going to be special. It's going to be awesome. Getting people back out to DGC to watch these guys is going to be awesome. And when you start looking at the, the, at the field, Phil, Hideki, Bryson, uh, certainly, um, you, you've got a lot of other winners here. And it's going to be very exciting to watch. So looking forward to it. Uh, because anytime we can get pro golf, more pro golf. That's I'm pro pro golf. Let's get more golf here. Uh, and it's just fantastic. Because look, this is, this is what we do in the state. We do good golf. We know how to do golf. The other interesting part, and you heard it with Jason Langwell last weekend, talk about the way that they go to other tournaments to recruit these guys. And by a lot of the things that have been said, 
to the players on tour who of, from guys who played this track in the last couple of years, believe me, all glowing things to say. They talk about what a fantastic venue this is, course, city. They've done it right. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow on Sports Rep, 6 p.m.